0: everyone, welcome to The Culture of Truth. We review the truth of God's word and discuss the influence it has on our lives and worldview. My name is Will Hawkins, joined with me is my friend and co-host Jeff Amstutz. What up everybody? So over the next few episodes we will open up Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology and dive into God's communicable attributes. Today's focus will be on God's goodness, so Jeff, why don't you go ahead and give us just an overview of what systematic theology even is, and then talk about communicable attributes.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Will. Uh, we, if you've listened to this show before, if you go back um, several episodes, uh, we've talked about various topics in systematic theology, which is just answering the question, what does the whole Bible have to say about particular topics? So this sub-series we've done previously on God's attributes, and we've done incommunicable attributes, the attributes that we don't really share with God at all and God's communicable attributes, which are attributes of God that we do get to share in a lot more. These aren't hard rules. These aren't like lines we're trying to draw, but they are uh, pretty clear conclusions I think we can come to in scripture. And so this book uh, that Wayne Grudem wrote called Systematic Theology that Will and I have studied uh, over the years is a great way for us to systematize our understanding of something. So today we get to talk about God's goodness, which is a communicable attribute, which means we get to share in, in experiencing this attribute with God.
0: Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Jeff. So Wayne define, uh, Wayne, I talk about him like he's my, (laughs) my good friend. Uh, Grudem describes goodness as the final standard of good and that all that God is and does is worthy of approval. And so when we look at this how how do we answer this question how is god the final standard of good jeff
1: yeah it's it's a great question and we're going to get into that a little bit more later on in our discussion but primarily it's we as western people so if you're listening to this not um, in the u.s or uh, in just general western culture uh, you maybe you have a different perspective but western culture is very much that um, we as people determine our outlook on the world. And so we walk around saying, we know what's good and scripture preaches something very different. It says, God's the one that defines what is good. And so one presupposition that we need to attack when we study this, when we remember we're answering the question, what does the Bible have to say about God's goodness? We have to say, this isn't our definition of goodness that we bring and then figure out if God fits it or not. Mm. It's the other way around where we say, what does God's goodness look like? What is, what does he define as good? Yeah. Yeah. And then we have to bring ourselves to that and try to align ourselves with that.
0: Mm. Luke eighteen nineteen even says no one is good, but good, uh, but God alone. Mm. Um, just a few other scriptures, just to support the, um, you know, references of saying God, God's goodness.
1: Yeah. Cause one is, thing that, that Wayne Groom does uh, in all of these chapters is say, here are all these passages that are laying out the the statements that I'm making that he's making in the book. So it's, it's the idea is clearly this is a general takeaway from scripture and these are only going to be a sampling that Will's going to read.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, so Oh, and t- Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, eight, uh, you are good, and you do good. Teach me your statutes. So that's talking about him, uh, characteristic wise, but also action. You are good, right. and you do good. Yeah. And so even from the human perspective, teach me your statutes. So we're going to that as the standard, even in that the Christian yeah. believer. Um, that's Psalm one nineteen sixty eight. Uh, and then so as far as good in creation, we see um, in Genesis, God saw that all that He had made, and it was very good. Genesis one thirty one. So as far as God's goodness and salvation, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. And then as far as God being the source of all good in the world, every good and get, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. James one seventeen. And then, just lastly, God does only good things for His children, uh, and so as far as scripture to support that, no good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Psalm eighty four eleven. In everything, God works for good uh, with those who love Him. For the good with those who love Him. Romans eight twenty eight.
1: Yeah, and and we and that, again just a sampling. There's just countless other passages that we just wouldn't have time to sit and go through all of them, but. The, the sense that we get is God is the one who does good in the world. And we rely on his word to tell us what those things are, because uh, we we rely on God's words in scriptures uh, to be the standard of truth that we measure everything else by. So uh, otherwise, we're just going to end up in this circular argument of I think what I think because it's what I think. And that that is exactly what sin was in the garden. Uh, we, Will, and I were talking briefly about like where would it be a good point to kind of mention this, but, but we we think about what is sin, um, and sin in the world is my definition of goodness. Lord is different from yours, and I'm going to follow mine instead of yours. And why that matters here is that's the that's the starting point that we all have. When we come to the scriptures, it's with a heart that's saying, "I really." think my definition of good is the best definition of good. Mm. And so we have to, you can even go back. One of our first series on this podcast was doctrine of the word where we went Mm -hmm. through, why is this the authoritative and it's clear and it's sufficient and it's necessary for everything for us to understand about God and salvation and his goodness and all of those things. And like, go listen to those episodes if you want a further discussion on that. But that's the core perspective that we're starting with when looking through God's good. So again, just a taste of scriptures, but um, very much God is the one who defines what's good and he's the one that does it in the world.
0: Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that you mentioned and you go all the way back to what, why do we even believe that the word is uh, true and right and the source of where we do need to get wisdom and um, hear from God. So I'm glad you went there. Uh, So how is this attribute communicated or imparted to us, Jeff?
1: The idea of there is good and bad is something that every human being has a a sense of. Mm. This is not something you would ask someone like, is there good and evil in the world? The answer is just yes. And uh, that's like a, a general truth that even people who are blind to God... People who have no concept of God, of no relationship with Him, no awareness of Him in the world, their hearts have been darkened. Even they will still say there is a concept of good and evil in the world. Um, and so the 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 idea of it being a shared attribute is this this idea that it's simply the idea of us as a being having a concept of there's things that are good and things that are not mm. is something that came from God because He had it first. Yeah. He was identifying good things and, and bad things before we even existed. So when we came into existence and got to share that, um, he, he literally thats us being an image. We talk about us being an, an image bearer of God. And means when people look on us, they should see God's attributes. And so one of those things is, yes, you're going to see beings in the world say there are things that are good and there are things that aren't good. And that's a way you can reflect uh, who God is. And the idea that the only way you're going to actually truly reflect who God is, is when you align your definition of what is good with him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wayne uh, Grudem in his book says, God has given us some reflection of his own sense of goodness so that when we evaluate the things in the way God created us to evaluate them, we will also approve what God approves and find joy. He says, delight in the things that delight him. Yeah. Amen to that. So would how would you kind of rephrase that sentence i know you it probably will restate some of what you just said but kind of consolidate the two if you can
1: yeah um so this this you know excerpt from the chapter uh says so when we evaluate things in the way god created them to in the way god created to evaluate them so when we say i'm going to try to view this god like you do mm-hmm. um if you bring yourself to that point, so if, if you go from, I don't care about what God thinks to, I care about what God thinks, you will find yourself being transformed by that. That is one way that God's Holy Spirit changes your heart and and gives you an, a new eyes to see, new ears to hear about what is good in the world. And that change is for your good, interestingly enough. Yeah. So that's why you will find joy and be brought more joy and bring more joy into the world when you align with those things. Uh, cause to delight in God is to be the perfect version of joy you could ever experience.
0: Mm. What's the John Piper quote? God
1: is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied and joyous in him.
0: Hmm. That kind of, that makes me, it reminds me of that in the last part of that sentence, find, we find joy in the things that bring him joy. Yeah. Um. And I think that is because of that heart change, right? That the way we, our minds are renewed, our hearts are transformed. Yeah. So we start looking to the things that he approves, right? And filling ourselves with those things. Yeah. It's going to start taking root. Right. And that fruit that comes from that is going to look a lot different than it did before. Yeah. We're going to enjoy those things. I enjoy a lot of things uh now than i than i did before my my uh definition i get i think even of enjoyment just looks a lot different because it's not it's not by my own standard right mm-hmm. so even goodness is not not what my definition of goodness might have been uh, before i was really a follower of jesus of uh, excuse me of jesus yeah so yeah it's interesting uh okay so some application now how do we how do we kind of make sense of this for us? Like, how do we apply this in a, especially in a world that's like, they have their own standard of those who don't believe in Christ. And we'll get into some objections here, some kind of counters to God's goodness, but how does this doctrine impact us? How does God's goodness yeah. impact us? Um,
1: When you think about people trying to make an impact on the world, whether it's the world trying to worship yet another idol or itself or something that isn't God uh, or it's Christians trying to say, well, I want to have an impact on the world. Pretty much everyone is operating from a perspective that what they think they're doing is good. Hmm. Right? So then you, what you can get is people that have fundamentally opposing views and they both think they're doing something good. And there's clearly an, ob- like, I think an objective mess of that, that when we look at the condition of sin being universal, we tend to think that our definition of good is something that's, that's a high enough moral value that, that, you know, I, th- I think that ev- I should project that on the rest of the world. And this is even true of people that say like, you do you like, that's yeah. a worldview. Like there, clearly there are different faith traditions and cultures around the world where um, everyone just doing what they feel like is not actually considered morally good. And then the opposite's true. You know, there are people in the world that think there shall be no one in this world that tells me what I can say is good and, and right. So the, the objective part of that, I think, is that if you were to step back and think there is a creator of the universe who created all of this, there is one standard of what's good. Yeah. And the, and the universal problem we all have is no one's going to find it without him.
0: Hmm.
1: And so everyone who thinks they found it without God is inherently wrong now the, the wrong wrong to the point of it's not complete and without blemish. And so that doesn't mean that like, there isn't an objective sense of good. Like clearly killing people is not viewed as like an objectively good thing by almost everyone around the world. It's generally bad.
0: Yeah. A lot of people might say, Oh, I can, we can find examples of good in a standard status of good. Just looking out at nature. Yeah. They might say that,
1: but it's broken. It's, it's so it's, it's not destroyed. It's not that it doesn't exist, but it is not perfect. It is not fully right. It is not complete. And that's the, that's then the ultimate problem is people are like, I've assembled this kind of cracked looking mirror thing and you can kind of see some (laughs) reflection in it. That's a real mirror, right? It's like, no, a real mirror is one that is just a perfect image when you look in it, it's not broken. Uh, and so that's what we're saying with God's goodness is the unbroken image of what is good. And that therefore for us to be, um, for us to move towards being repaired and be made right and being made righteous and and agree with that definition of good requires us to change, not God to change.
0: Mm. Say that last part again
1: (laughs) for us to become more like God's definition of goodness for us to actually agree with like, God, what you're doing is good, no matter what it is that requires us to change, Mm -hmm. not God to change.
0: Yeah. When we realize that God is the definition and the source of all good, we realize that God himself is the ultimate good that we seek. Right. Right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And so all change that we that we try to pursue is at the aim of it reflecting him. Right. That mirror that essentially we're, we're hoping to look more like him.
1: Yeah. We, we talked plenty on this podcast and definitely a lot um, doctrinally, like in discussions at church and stuff is we, we look at people and see kind of three core elements that make a person, their head, their heart, and their hands. Mm. So your head is, how do you think and see and understand? Yeah. Yep. Your heart is, what are your affections and um, treasures kind of uh, orbiting around? And then your hands is, so how does that ch- like guide your behaviors in life? And um, there's a passage that comes to mind, which is Jeremiah seventeen nine, which is, uh, the Lord telling, um, the, the Lord, these are like the Lord's words. Um, so it says, thus says the Lord starting in verse five and he's saying all these things. He gets to verse nine and God is just straight up saying the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who mm, can understand amen. it. And so the, the importance of understanding goodness is it's more than an emotion. And when we get emotions, they they should be filtered. And so like, it doesn't mean anger or happiness are inherently good or bad, but we can't know if, we're, if our anger is a good response to something until we've viewed, as, is God viewing this as good or not? The thing that I'm angry about. And so uh, that, that emotion of anger can't be what we use to filter um, what we determine is good or not, because it's literally trying to deceive you. It's trying to say this feeling you have Hmm. shall not be checked. And then you can get all kinds of like relationship problems and like there's so many problems and you can have in your personal life and in society that are all based on we just feel about something and we haven't filtered that through. What does God have to say about it?
0: Yeah, I love that. Like at at a base in in our everyday Christian walk, when we're trying to navigate life right we we should go back and filter what does god say about this Mm -hmm. to use that as a measuring stick right as a as a a read if you will and that Um, takes work yeah work and discipline and intentionality right like there are those spiritual disciplines that you that help us to do that but i guess my question with that is what do we do when there are there isn't a very clear answer as far as like a, a measuring stick to compare ourselves to when if scripture doesn't specifically speak to a a certain scenario what should we do
1: yeah there's there's a couple of things that come to mind one is um the the first passage that comes to mind is uh is james one um and i'm i'm turning to it now because i'd rather just read it word for word than summarize it incorrectly yeah um but it's a passage that i think a lot of people probably heard and just this this has to be like a a reflex um, it's not, I, I don't always get that right, but this is the reflex that I hope I have when it's not clear. Uh, James one starting in verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God yes. who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But here's the key starting in verse six, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He has a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. So the, it is much of a cliche as it sounds. It's pour yourself into the word because there's probably scripture that's actually relevant that you just don't think's relevant hmm. to actually sit and meditate on like, what, what do I actually think Jesus would do in this situation? What do yeah. I actually think the scriptures, the, the gospels, epistles, even narratives in the old Testament, like what, what is actually said about this thing that I think the Bible is silent on and it's yeah. less, it's probably less silent than you think. Now I know your question was probably correct me if I'm wrong. It probably rooted in, I want like a 10 commandments type, just do this. And that's the right or wrong. answer. I think
0: a lot of people would,
1: would yeah. want it that way. Yeah. Uh huh. And here's the, here's my favorite response to that. That's what the Pharisees did with Jesus over and over and over. Hmm. So in my Bible reading, even today I was in, Mark 11. And the Pharisees wanted to trick Jesus and ask about who gave Jesus authority to do stuff. Hmm. Um, so he's like performing miracles and preaching and claiming all kinds of things. And Pharisees, who are like the top dogs, were like, we, our power matters to us and our faith is how we can like enforce our power structures and be important in society were threatened by Jesus, rightfully so. Here's what it says in verse 27 all the way through the end of chapter 11 in Mark. And they came again to Jer- and they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking to the temple, Jesus, uh, the the chief priests and let me say it again. And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. This would be Jesus, and they said to him, by what authority are, you, authority are you doing these things or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I'll ask you one question. Answer me and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. <laughs> and they discussed it with one another saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, then why did you not believe him? But what if we say from man? They were afraid of the people because they had held that John was really a prophet. So they answer, Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. <laughs> now, the, 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 one of the takeaways I have in challenging Jesus's authority there is the reason you keep asking over and over this plain question is because you just want to keep denying it. You have so much of scripture that says, I am the Lord. There are no other gods that ever exist. There are things you make up. It's just me. Worship me. And so love me first and love people. That's what I command you to do. Then thousands of years literally go by and what does Israel do? A really bad job at those things. (laughs) And then Jesus comes along and says, listen, I'm going to show you the way of life, uh, the way to walk in righteousness, because you clearly didn't get it for thousands of years when you were trying to do it yourself. And he performs miracles and he's like, I'm the son of God. I'm here to redeem the world. And they're like, Hmm, by whose authority? And he's just like, Mm. I'm done talking to you because mm. clearly, clearly you don't want to accept it. You think you can just reason your way out of it by asking more questions. The The plain fact is Jesus is the son of God who came to earth to die for your sins because you are unable to be righteous before God on your own. Straight up. So the, 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 the point I'm driving home is that there's, there's a certain point that it's, you keep asking for, does the Bible say X, Y, or Z about the specific situation I'm in? It's search your heart, get your heart right with God, then and then ask God, what should I do? And he'll tell you. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And if if you're like, but scripture silence on X, Y, or Z, it's because of your hard heart. You know, like the <laughs> the other time, uh, I, I wasn't reading, it, I haven't got to it yet in my reading plan, but this, this uh, passage where... Um, Pharisees, uh, they were trying to trick Jesus and be like, "There's this situation where this woman's like has all these like husbands on earth. that Then who's who's mm. who's, who's she gonna be? In heaven. Yeah, who's her husband in heaven? All this stuff. Um, and the the question was like, or sorry, the the I'm actually it's actually not that one. Is is it like lawful to divorce your wife? Yeah, you know because they're they're trying to come up with an excuse of because. Um, Moses said it was okay. Like, that's what the law says. I can divorce my wife. What does Jesus say? <laughs> it's your hardness of heart that's that you're caring about what are the circumstances I'm allowed to divorce my wife. Because if you ask yourself truly, am I going to die to myself for the sake of my spouse, which is way harder, and you're like, God, how can I glorify you the most? It's mm. going to be a thing that you're not willing to do. So you have this concession, and now you're fighting for like, is the concession something I'm allowed to do? It's not like the prime... Jesus went to the cross and died a terrible death that you deserve. Right. Yep. And we're like, uh, do I have to <laughs> you, get, you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. Like the, the, the call on your life is far greater than you think. And so the, am I allowed to do X, Y, or Z is the wrong question. It's how can I glorify God the most with this decision? And with that, it's way clearer. Like how are you going to glorify God in your marriage with your finances? with your study of the word and spiritual disciplines with your friends. Uh, how do you relate to the world? Like all these things have answers, yeah. but you just don't want to hear them because they're going to tell you things you don't want to hear.
0: Yeah. Definitely think that's a lot of the core of it. Um, I think how we're able to get to a place where we were able to come to, okay, here's the direction. Here's the, here's the answer that I'm, that I'm getting is a lot of what you just said, like, spending Spending enough time in the Word, because the the more that you spend, the more time that you spend in the Word, the more that it's going to be on your heart, be on your mind. Who God's character is, all the things He said, examples of of what He's done before, how He's provided His faithfulness, all of those things. Yeah. So that you can then, to kind of take that meta narrative, like the full narrative, but then also the details of each of each scripture and passage and book, you're able to take all of that and say, okay. What do I know to be true about God? Yeah. And you're able to use that as a, as a, me, as a measuring stick, essentially yeah. of that. And then you have good counsel from other people who have been doing exactly the yep. same. Yep. You're able to take that. I'm able to go to you and say, Hey, Jeff, I have this situation. Here's what I've kind of been hearing in prayer. Here's what I've seen in the word. There's nothing specific, super specific to this, but based on X, Y, and Z, here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And you're same able, to you. Like that's, yeah. that's how we're brothers in Christ. Yeah. And you're able to say hey i think that i think you're on the right track from mm-hmm. what i from you can say from what i've read from what i know from what i've studied and from what i yeah know to be true about god that sounds like the right the yeah i right so
1: and and what's um i think very relieving in that is we know that the holy spirit moves in the hearer not necessarily the speaker what i mean by that is i can tell you all that and if the spirit used it to change your life And vice versa. Like I ask you and you're telling me great. Yeah. But it's, it's not like I, like if I, if I know God's word, I can reliably say, here's what it says. It's not like a, Oh gosh, I need to create the perfect sentence. Holy spirit. Tell me that it's like, no, just here's God's word. The best I can give it to.
0: And I think along those lines, like one of the ways that I, that I look at this, like how the question, how does it, this doctrine impact us? I'm Mm -hmm. like, Oh, it, it gives me when I'm thinking, okay, God is good. He is a source of good. Everything he does is which uh, it's right here. And we know in, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Romans eight twenty eight Yeah. So I can look at that and I'm like, I can trust that what he is doing good, like what I might perceive as bad, hard tr- struggle, whatever all the good things. Like he's using all of these things for my good. Yeah. Um, And and, you know, we have in the notes here right above it,
1: Proverbs three, which is right in the same thing. Trust Trust. in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Mm -hmm. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. That does not say, don't try to understand. It just says, don't move only because you've figured it out. Yeah. Usually his words pretty clear and us figuring it out is like, I have to know the why. And the mm-hmm. how, and all. it's like, just yep. do it.
0: Yeah. I, I kind of had this visual right now to where he said, and I will make your path straight. It's, we're taking these walks in faith. It might be a little stumbled and a little crooked here and there. And then he, over time, just starts smoothing that path out. Yeah. And we're able to go. And, and, it re- and there's a million paths. We t- we pick, there's a fork in the road. We pick one. There's another fork in the road. We pick another one. There's yeah. a, It just continues on and yep. on and on. So we have to have something to rely on. Yeah, and trust in and believe in that's going to be solid and firm and and right. And and that and relying on God's goodness gives you confidence
1: that if I did step in the wrong yeah. direction, that He's going to be good and be like, no, here's the direction I Absolutely. want you to go now. There's a there's a there's a faith to take the step, and there's a faith to say the next step after that will also be just as much corrected as this first one was.
0: And if we decide to even taking that further, if we decide, eh, I'm going to turn back around a little bit. There's, there's goodness in God's discipline for yeah. us as well. Just yeah. like there is with the father and their son. Yeah.
1: The, the the most important part is every step of the way, say, God, what do you, what do you declare as good? And am mm-hmm. I aligning with that? If, if that is the center point of your decision-making in this life, yep. you
0: are going to be met with Jesus saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Mm. Come on. We, we can look at his goodness and say, uh, and we can give thanks in all circumstances. Right. We can Absolutely. say God this really crummy situation is happening right now. Um or I just I sinned and I have fallen short, but I'm going to give you thanks because yeah. I know that I, I know that you rescue me yeah. and you bring me back. Yeah. Every time. Every time. You come and seek my heart. That's right. So I love that. Uh so I feel like when we jump we when we look at some of these objections, you've kind of talked about like the whole topic of we we should be able to decide what is good ourselves like mm. people might say we have the right to decide what is good and bad without always following god's approval or even needing it yeah <laughs> um th- we think that we can make our own choices and you you highlight you kind of touched on okay the reason why we need one central source of truth is because if we don't we have um, like millions and millions of people deciding what truth is it just doesn't work yeah. there's a there's a natural flaw in that yeah so yeah. people on the counter are just like a well, lot we don't want like even with all the different cultures and beliefs and religions and all this stuff, they're just like, well, with all of that in their minds are, how can one thing be true?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's uh is there actually an objective reality? It, yeah. th- that's, is that's, there that's an the objective thing, truth? Yeah. That's the thing that super convinces me is um, I look at things like physics and like the, the physical world and like that, that God created, he arranged creation in a systematic way. It's not like, you know, a plane doesn't work when you try to take off from South America, but you go to North America and suddenly it can fly. Like, that's not a thing. Like <laughs> air, the the, the, the the physics of air going over a wing is the same. Mm. It's, it's that, that is a shadow of a truth that is God's the only God. And literally the only other gods that exist are the ones we make up, which means they don't actually exist. Mm. So, and that, that God can be like, I declare myself, to be a God by saying there is no God, you mm-hmm. know, that I mean, cover covers atheism because you're just basically saying, yeah, I know better than the person who created me to say that person doesn't exist. You're like, no. God, you're dead to me. And it's always comes back to the same thing. It comes back to the exact same train of thought in the garden in Genesis three, when the deceit is God really didn't mean what he meant. And you're like, yeah, I guess not. I guess he's holding out on me. Mm. If God were good, he would have done X. And then you just say literally anything. Yeah. And it's just, that is you just saying, God, I disagree with what you define as good.
0: What about the objection? Why does evil exist? If God is good, then why is there so much bad stuff in the world? Hmm. They question how a good God allows evil things like suffering and injustice. Yeah.
1: Um, so here there, there's a couple of things that I would want to say. One is uh, to actually address the question, the root of the question. Cause I think the question is not goodness, actually. Okay. It's really justice and like, why is evil exist? Which is different than saying God defines what's good.
0: So, yeah. you don't, I guess you don't think that it's, they're just, they're kind of speaking to the opposite. Like, well, if there is good, then why, why is there bad?
1: Well, this attribute says God defines what's good. Yeah. And then this question is actually saying, well, then why does anything not good exist? Yeah. So it's a fair question, but it is a different question. Yeah, like the
0: whole, it's not what is good, the forces of. Why is good? And I think even forces, good and evil, like they kind of. View those things as these forces inherent in the world. But they are. I mean, exactly. they do exist.
1: What, what I'm trying to identify is we have a specific topic today, which yeah. is we're talking about God's attribute of His goodness, and this question is really saying, "Is your sovereign desire to glorify yourself with means that includes any evil that exists? How is, how can you then be the person who defines what's good? Mm-hmm. That's it, it's really like a sovereignty providence question. Um, but Romans 9 talks about this and, and Paul makes this argument where he, he, he asks some he makes a case. He's not saying this like, I know he's saying like, it's pretty reasonable. Uh, I'll just start in verse 19 in Romans 9. You'll say to me then, why does he still find fault? You know, for me sinning, even though he knows that like he's involved in it or who can resist his will? Verse 20, but who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? Will the will what is molded say to the molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? Here's the case that Paul makes right here, starting in verse 22. What if God desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory? Mm. And the, the case being made Ooh. is if you ever, if, if you say God's a wrathful God and then had zero evidence of that, how would you truly know that? What we can do is understand because of the age we're in, the God's wrath is real. And then when we get to judgment day, it's like, whoa, it's really real. Right. That judgment only can exist because it was shown. God has got to judge something. And what, what does that judgment do? It show it in his goodness reveals more about him. We say, God, I want to enjoy you more. And so I want to know you more to actually know some of those attributes requires some contrast, something to show that against. And that's what, that's the case that Paul makes there saying, if you're going to know what mercy is, you got to have vessels that need mercy.
0: Mm. God
1: shows no mercy to any angels in in the same way he shows mercy does because angels that fall they don't come back
0: right and the fact that he shows and i've heard this said different ways but the fact that he shows grace and mercy to any of us at all and saves any of us at all is that, that it's itself is a grace yes absolutely nobody deserves to be absolutely saved Right.
1: And so this is why Christians ought to be so fervent in their literal eternal worship of God to say, because of the blood of Christ, you bought me for something I did not deserve. And while you would worship that forever, because God's justice was taken by a substitute by Christ. And if that isn't God's goodness, I don't know what else is.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And God, God himself, there no evil can exist in God, right? He would not be God if that's the case. So so him hims I think people can wrestle with that and have a hard time with that too is okay so if evil exists in the world then where did it come from mm-hmm. I don't I don't necessarily have the right answer yeah. for that I, we are we are <laughs> sinful itself so I I think I wrestle with that okay god created us but the the fact that even he allowed satan to come into the garden and tempt eve and allow that even dynamic to happen and allow for us to even have that choice to then be like why any of that when it could have just that never could have happened i I don't know i don't have the answer for that but um i know
1: what what what, what, we we can be slightly more specific that we can know that evil evil was a result of something that came from god but what scripture never does is say that God is the one who does yes. the evil. He, and, and that's a very important
0: distinction. Yes. He allows for that to happen. Yeah, he
1: created beings capable of making evil Yes, and sustains creatures that do evil, but it has a sufficiently high moral purpose of his goodness that comes out of that such that the creation can understand and see more of God. Yeah and and literally the creation saying I don't like it is mm. the very evil that God is judging with his justice
0: yeah he God created creatures God created humans with the ability to to choose like the with the freedom to choose and their choices contribute to the existence of evil yeah the, God himself didn't create evil
1: yeah the evil well yeah <laughs> the I, it literally, the statement I said is the strongest thing we can say is that scripture says God created everything. He sustains everything and is sovereign over everything. Therefore he has, he, he is the one who directs all of creation from the smallest things to the largest things. Yeah. So there is a direction of that, but he is not, cons- he, he is never, uh, culpable for evil in a moral sense. And that's crazy to think of. But, um, there's the, the, the most specific thing we can say is God's attributes being on display for creation more fully is more important than not having any evil at all. And all of this is wrapped up in, if you hear my voice and you're like, I'm wrestling with this, be like, understand you have the ability to repent by saying, Jesus, I want to follow you and accept this free gift of grace. Like the, the weight of, of, all of creation wrestling with this is not, doesn't have to include you like your, your participation in this yourself is your decision to follow Christ. Cause that is, that is the salvation that, that Jesus came to, to give freely.
0: The old, the ultimate goodness that right. was ever demonstrated.
1: Right. A good far, a goodness far, because remember this life is very temporary. It's yeah. going to be what, maybe 80, 90 years long for people. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes much shorter and literally the eternal consequence is the one that will take very little time to understand, oh, now I get why I was supposed to consider this life short. Because if you consider this life, the only one that's going to happen, then your eternity is going to face a consequence of that. If you view this life as short and the one that, that lasts infinitely long is the one that's more important then yeah, there's a lot of evil in this world, but there's uncomparable amounts of goodness that come later where there there won't be evil. Yeah there is a time for that. It's just not right now.
0: Man Jeff, that's good. That's good. Uh, so much to be taken from from this this section of this book, the just God's Goodness. So looking forward to, to what we can get into next time, but that's all we have time for today. So thank you all for listening. We hope that you're encouraged and equipped in truth. Uh, Please share this with a friend, someone else uh, close to you so they can be reminded of God's truth today. So as always, thanks for listening to Culture of Truth Podcast. Until next time.